If you listen to episode three of my podcast, you heard me and Marilyn Witcher and Erica Young raving about the unit that Janina Tovar designed for the North Buncombe High School Summer Academy. Um, I was able to persuade Janina to let me make a video of her introducing a unit for our fourth grade here at Johnson Elementary School. And I edited that down and annotated it as a teaching tool for people who are working in classrooms. Then I persuaded her to come on and talk to me about why these practices are good SEL practices. They give access points that lower the threshold of entry for multi-language learners to engage in instruction. And anytime we can do that, we're going to tax their stamina and their resilience less. We're going to increase their engagement and we're going to increase their achievement. So listen to her talk about the way she uses graphic organizers, the way she built fluency folders, and the way she engages with her kids. Make sure you watch that video. It's so good. All right, here's Janina. You only know help to sound smart, Janina Tovar. I have Janina Tovar on today. She is who I want to be when I grow up. And if you listen to, actually, I think my first episode was on the work that you did on that unit for summer school. I videoed your lesson in fourth grade, and it's going to be attached here. Really, what you're doing is giving them instructions on a graphic organizer and video. So talk about why those are important pieces when you're front-loading for multi-language learners. I always say that everything I've come up with over the years is just um, based on failing and troubleshooting for myself. And first building background, just giving them a concrete visual example to support what we're going to be talking about that can then help them make the connections with vocabulary. There's just so many pieces of high impact strategies in there. So we have the visual, the, the thinking map or circle map. Then we have that visual or the video, which is also supporting visual literacy, which we see even works with newcomers because the whole thing is you're just observing this video and noting anything that you see or hear. So for a newcomer, they don't have to be able to write the word. They can see a horse, they can see water, and then they feel like they're already kind of successful by writing these simple words down that they may know or drawing a picture. So it's just a great entry point for so many folks. And so we have the the, the graphic organizer and the video. But what I was starting off in the beginning saying that I create things to help solve problems in my classroom. And I have tried everything from Marzano to the Frere mm. model and all these vocabulary, you know, strategies. Yeah. And to be honest, they take time yeah. and I'm not saying they're not right. They just weren't right for me. I, I mean, I tried all of those with such intention. Like I would actually make pre-make these documents mm -hmm. and on construction paper with ring, you know, to put through the, and I would, I would hole punch them. So they had this ring of words. And I mean, I've tried it all and it just didn't have a meaning to kids because it was still teaching it kind of in isolation. Mm -hmm. So this, I'm not going to say this isn't research-based how I do it, but it's been the most effective. And so what happens is instead of getting, giving kids down the road, this list of vocabulary words where they have no buy-in, you know, they're not vetted or, you know, they're just, there's nothing there for them to, to grasp, but now I'm creating this circle map with all this vocabulary that the kids are actually producing, because even though I'm guiding the instruction, they're at, they have their own thinking map in front of them for second grade and up, right? Kindergarten first is a little different. It's more modeling on the teacher side. But then the next day when I present it in more of a format of a list based on parts of speech or what, however I want to organize it. I let them know, look at what I created. I created our vocabulary for this unit based on what you observed and heard yesterday. And they are just like, 
oh, and they've heard the words, they know, you know, are familiar, it's, it's more concrete. They're at least, again, hearing the word, I can work on the fluency of pronouncing that word. And then when it shows up in context, I can start targeting, you know, what it means and defining it then. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just this natural, beautiful process that they're starting to make a connection that I don't know what all these words mean, but I know it's about this topic. Right. And I didn't see it. Yes. I have a mind movie of what that is. Yes. I, and an experience. I like those videos to really tell a story. They shouldn't just be grabbing vocabulary words, right? I mean, it's, right. it's I'm trying to actually pull even at their heartstrings. Like I want them to be vested in this topic and have kind of like, like I want to light up and I want them to see me lighting up. And it, it does, it, it definitely, it's contagious, right? When we're well, all I saw in your it. continuum of the videos, there was kind of a very general video. Then it got into some of the more controversial topics mm -hmm. that might be like intriguing to kids, but it ended optimistically. Mm -hmm. And that felt great. That felt great to me as a teacher. I'm sure, and the kids were super invested because I came into the room and uh, there's a kid who really does not talk to me. <laughs> there are many kids who don't really talk to me because they're like, who is this lady who keeps showing up? And um, <laughs> what's your name again? All right. Um, and so he's like, I can't see the board. And I was like, do you want me to read what's up there? And he goes, yeah. And he puts his head down and I'm reading 1824 canoe. And he was like, okay. He felt good about that. He really wanted to have it all. That is wonderful. Yeah. That's what, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. And what's funny is you're annotating the video and, and kind of walking folks through of the teacher moves in there. I knew I did that, but I don't think I was really conscious of putting them in order. So when you pointed that out, I happened to mention that to a group of teachers going, yeah, there actually is an order, right? You want to start lighthearted. And sometimes I even do a fiction, nonfiction type video, you know, mm -hmm. maybe a cartoon and then a real one. Mm -hmm. But you're right. It's first some introductory general words, mm -hmm. you know, just to get them to bite a little bit. And then the next one is getting more, a little bit deeper, a little heavier and whatever the topic may be. And so thank you for putting that into words that mm -hmm. I did actually have an optimistic closure at the end. Oh, yeah. Because it was a little dark, right? History it is. is dark. You can't do there's the hope. Cherokee in North Carolina and it not be dark. There, yes. There's got to be reflection on our culture. Right, because we don't want to all be victims either, right? I don't want kids to see us as victims. That video at the end is just so inspiring. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I know people will watch this. All right. One thing we didn't talk about enough is the fluency folders. I hope I have a video of that coming up, but can you just give us an overview? How do those work? Because I didn't get to see that a lot at the yeah. uh, summer school. So the fluency folders is really the number one thing that I created mm -hmm. to solve a major problem in my teaching life. And that was, I, uh, it drove me crazy when kids would come into my room and, you know, some would come, some were late, some had to go to the bathroom, blah, blah, blah. Right. And you'd have to wait. Right. I would lose almost five to six minutes starting my class because I'm waiting for them all to get in there and be ready with me. Mm -hmm. And then I worked with a really great teacher who was really taught me about fluency okay. and the importance of fluency with words. But she was having us use these kind of, I don't forget what they're called, but not dolch words, but they were fluency lists, but they were just random words. Okay. And so I wasn't buying into that because I thought, okay, my MLs cannot learn a whole nother list of words that don't right. mean anything to them. That will just feel like, you know, their entire day at school. So what happened was with the circle map and then some glad strategies kind of helped to come up with this idea was organizing it by um, parts of speech. 
And so I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to just take all these circle, these words from the circle map. And when I plug them into the categories, um, adjective, noun, verb, adverb, and prepositional phrase, Mm -hmm. even first grades, first graders can learn a prepositional phrase Mm -hmm. and prepositional phrases actually happen to be some of the hardest things for MLs. Cause even in Spanish, they're hard for me. I'm like, is it poor or para? Is it Mm -hmm. in or on? You know, like, ah, prepositional phrases are tricky. Mm -hmm. So having this formula where I plug them in and now they had to make a sentence. So it was like, so first thing they do with this folder is as I put it in this little template, I staple it on a file folder. Mm -hmm. And then inside that file folder, maybe 15 sheets of lined paper where they're going to write. So the minute they walk in the door, whoever's in first grabs all the fluency folders, puts them on everyone's desk and you jump right to it. You start reading through them okay. and you just, and you ask me if you don't know how to say a word, cause right. They're still learning how to read these words as well. And then I make sure I go around to two or three kids a day and sit with them and listen to them. Mm-hmm. And I mark the date and the time it takes them. These aren't minute reads. I let them read as long as it takes them to read mm-hmm. and then help them with pronunciation. And what I've seen time and time again they always beat their time. Now I may not get to every kid every day, which Mm -hmm. I don't, it might be twice a week, maybe once a week, but they always beat their time and they are chomping at the bit to have me read with them. They're like, read with me today, read with me today. Mm -hmm. That in itself is huge. Kids want to read vocabulary words with me. Oh my gosh. So that was a win. I should have marketed this long time ago and I didn't, but anyway, Mm. I was like, oh my gosh, they are reading these words and they're learning how to pronounce them. We'll worry about context later. Right. Then their second step, once they finish reading through their words and I'm still reading with other kids is there to open that file or that folder and on the line paper, they're to write two sentences with those words. Again, it's in, 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 um, what did I say? Noun. Yeah. Or adjective noun. The the only thing they may have to add is a a definite article or an indirect Mm -hmm. article. So the brave pioneer traveled rapidly through the forest. And then they have to kind of, and sometimes at the end, I might ask for a couple of volunteers who wants to read their sentence to me. They always want to read their sentence. And then we just kind of in that way to check for correctness, Mm because sometimes it might not make sense. And then I'm Mm -hmm. like, but it's also just a positive environment. Like, Ooh, that one's tricky here. Let's think of another way that we could say that. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's just learning together and writing a sentence. And I mean, I have second graders, first graders writing these, you know, full yeah. sentences and newcomers. And I minimize it for newcomers and make their list shorter, but okay. mi- the newcomers are writing full blown sentences. So it's just a win-win. And again, it was a solution to a problem that I had early on that I just mm-hmm. hated losing five minutes of the beginning of my classes. And now mm-hmm. they have something to do right when they walk in the door. I love that. Well, we've talked about how the sequence of the videos really support social emotional learning. Uh, the kids are comfortable. It's low stakes. Uh, it's high interest. Um, it does have that optimistic closure that feels good. But where else do you see the overlap between social emotional learning and the best practice for multilanguage learners? Um, gosh, yeah, I feel like all those parts, right? Like it's that visual support, right? That I'm doing it, you're doing it, we're doing it together. And the pace of it is is comfortable. And it's not, it's funny, not until I watch those videos of myself teaching, do I realize, oh my gosh, I move way too much, but good for me, right. For moving way too much. 
I am all over the room checking in with them. There's those moments where they're writing. It gives me the perfect opportunity to go walk and check and support the kids that might need it. Mm -hmm. So it's just getting me in tune and touch with the kiddos. And actually I feel bad now that that one little boy, I didn't even recognize that there was someone out there that couldn't even read the board. Right. But had I been the teacher of record, um, gone back, I probably would have made that connection right away. But those are the things I'm looking for, right. Or who are my writers? Who are my kids that might be dyslexic who are the kids that don't know how to spell and just it it's it's gauging where they're all at and making that connection with them and that felt really good to me since I didn't know that class but I I just think it's a win-win like you said a minute ago like it it everyone has an access point I didn't feel like anyone that day felt was frustrated and I didn't know them right I didn't know what I was going into and just a note to the general public, I'm actually a lot more energetic as a teacher, but that day I had to re, you know, rein it in a little bit because I thought I don't know the energy in that room, Yeah, but I kind of feed off them too and the pace of them. And it felt really good for a first time in a classroom anyway. So yeah. I think that's SEL, right? It's just feeling the room, read the room. <laughs> read the room. Well, and I, I, one of the words you said here, and this is something I, I see a lot is pacing. Um, I think a lot of adults talk as quickly as they think. Can you talk about the effect of that in a classroom? Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, I think, don't we say this a lot? It's it's teacher talk versus student talk. I love this practice. It's called five and two. And it's that you deliver information, whether it's oral or a reading of a text of some sort. But then there's, then you stop after five minutes and give two minutes of processing time. And Mm. that's what I love about this video stopping and controlling is that it, it, it uses the best practice of videos for kids because even in middle school and high school, even elementary school, we'll see people show videos like, Oh, I'm going to show you video on trail of tears. And they just run that sucker for a whole hour. And I'm like, okay, that is ESL 101, we always control the video and the pace of information that they're getting Mm -hmm. so that they can kind of sit in it. And I can also do some formative assessment and check-ins with kids. So I think that this just naturally embeds those pieces in it because I do have to stop the video and make notes myself and write. So it's just these secret little ways of getting that job done without feeling like I am just the deliverer of information. And how are they even storing and processing that is always my question. So I just, I think that even was a, solved a problem for me early on too. I, there were nights I would go home and this might be too personal, but I would truly put my head down. And in my early years of teaching, the question I, I would ask myself is, oh, I'm tear up. Um, is, gosh, what did I teach them today? Like, what did they learn? And in those beginning years, you're so overwhelmed and it's so much that you just think, oh, I don't think I taught them anything. Like, I don't remember what I taught them mm-hmm. because I was probably just talking so fast, right? Making sure they were, I, I was the sage on the stage. But then as I learned and this method, I, like I said, it sounds selfish, but I left that room feeling good about myself because mm-hmm. I was making connections with kids that day. And I felt like by the end, I think I even had some students that I don't know very well in that room but I felt like they were asking me questions that I don't know they always do. Mm-hmm. Like there was a girl that came in kind of late and she was sitting up in the front and she even said something and she got really quiet when I called on her again, almost like she didn't want to ask again. I said, no, no, I just didn't hear you ask me again. And when okay. she did, and I gave her the response, her face kind of lit up and I thought, oh my gosh, I just made a personal connection with someone, right? Like letting them know, I hear you, I see you. And I think that's what this video process does. And isn't that why we're here is to make connections with kids? Well, and if I can extend it a little further, I think that 
most people who go into teaching go into it for that feeling of accomplishment. And I think in the context of education at this moment, people don't feel like the teachers they wanted to be when they signed up for this. Yeah. And I think opportunities like this, I, I, I noted in the video, just when you went over and said, I can write that for you. I remember having experiences like that where I did something so small mm-hmm. and it changes the relationship mm-hmm. and it immediately does make you leave the building feeling better about your practice and why you do this and why you're showing up every day. Yeah. And I've been talking about this a lot lately. I, I say when I became a coach, um, I had a lot of reflection on just working with teachers and and, and where yeah. was the learning and breakdowns for teachers. And I really feel like I've, I've summed it up that there's two buckets we teach from. We have a bucket of tools, just resources and things like this, a circle map and, and, and a video, like that's in one bucket. Let's teach them how to do that. But there's actually this really critical bucket that we could, I couldn't put into words before, but I've realized it's the things that you annotated in the video. It's teacher moves. Mm. And that just takes time, right? It takes time, but it also takes practice. And I, I, I don't know why, but sometimes teachers may not try these things or they try them and they fail. And then they, there's a sense of, oh, well, that didn't work. And I don't do it again, but there's something about someone asked me recently, how, how did you get to where you are? And Mm -hmm. and I think we're just talking about master teachers or whatnot. And the only way I can sum it up is it's almost like I saw the elephant which is what you're saying, that feeling of overwhelmed with 30 kids in a classroom. And oh my gosh, it's a big elephant. Like, how do I even start? I just had enough tools in a box and I just bit that elephant and chewed on it and chewed on it every day until I got to the place where it started to feel natural and comfortable. And so, cause what you see in that video, that is years yeah. and years of practice. I mean, there were definitely a lot of moments where I just stood up there and didn't even move. Right. Right. Just stared at them and said, y'all with me, y'all with me. But I think even when you're a new teacher and you watch that video, unless there's someone next to you talking to you about it, you don't see what's there. Right. And that it does, it takes years. I think it's the um, occupational hazard. We all do this job alone in a room. Yes. And so we don't get to see it. No. I don't know. And that's that's what's the power, the power of not just making that video, but of your note taking on that video in it's almost just giving someone I've recently been saying too, it's like, okay, you're still gonna have to learn this on your own, but let me get you 50% of the way there. Right. And I think this video gets you about 80% of the way there. Just start trying some of these things. And it's actually going to start unfolding naturally over time, but you got to kind of try it. Yeah. All right. I'm going to own that. This is not my best editing ever. Uh, that's saying a lot because my most of my editing is pretty poor. But um, I I didn't have a natural end to that conversation with Chanina because we went on and on and on and on. I didn't have any ending that sounded sounded perfect. So I'm just going to thank her again here. And if you are in the Reynolds District or uh, TC, you'll see her around. Reach out to her. She's amazing. All right. Thanks for listening.